like we always start with and uh, so prophetic so many years ago and it's roger sales with you here on tuesday it's the 14th of january 11420, and uh radio ranch is the name of our little get together our little adult quilting session here and uh the platform we're on is the people's patriot network um i'm going to excuse myself from the start here today from the standpoint that if it's anything current events, I'm not too current on it, um, I, unless it's the national championship of college football and what happened last night down in the great city of New Orleans, the city of my youth. And I spent a, a, a bit of time down there in my younger years and uh, just really good to see uh, what transpired last night and, of course, congratulate, uh, well, the whole state. Orgeron, the new coach that's going to be there for a long time I hope and uh, the production and the people and everything that came together and really I mean it's significant I know this isn't a sports show but uh, when you've got a history here of 150 years and a group of kids comes along that uh, turns out to be the best group that's ever played you know arguably certainly in the conversation offensively without question in 150 years that's significant so pretty thrilling i've been immersed in it for a couple of days of course and couldn't sleep too much last night very well and got a busy day today so and uh, anyway hopefully you'll call and we can talk about something that i am real schooled in which is your freedom um and people always have questions about that because very few people know what it is uh, uh very few people really know how to define it in all honesty and uh so that's what we normally do here. You're welcome to call. There's a couple of ways you can reach out for us. You can either do it the old traditional way, like some in our age group still prefer to do, understandably. I have problems with these phones, man. Your eye, you know, everything's so small you can't see it. you got to hold it real close and, and, and hitting your finger on the right little button and doing all that stuff and doing exactly the right thing to do all the stuff. I'm just not acclimated. Don't know that I'll ever get as clued in as some of these kids that are brought up with it where it's second nature and seems to be. But certainly things are moving towards the cell phone application deal. I prefer to sit in front of a computer myself and do things like this. I can't do this on a cell phone. Um, and you can join me if you want to. Uh, either do it the traditional way, as I was saying, us, you know, law of those who are longer in tooth. You can call 404-448-1420. That number's plastered over on the People's Patriot Network.com website. Uh, and get us that way. Like some folks, not only, well, some folks insist on doing it that way and i guess that's all right as long as we can fidget away to get around it and the obstacles that keep getting thrown up in front of us technically technologically or if you want to be a little more up to date you can go and you got skype loaded already on your computer and you can do this on your phone and i had an incident with patrick with this 
Well, with anybody, I, I, I thought that you could just like DP's doing in here, call in. Now, DP's got us a, a, a profile and we're hooked up and all that stuff, so it's no problem to merge him right in. Uh, but you got to go in there and put in PPN, P, People's Patriot Networks, what that stands for. PPN, I'm assuming our audience is that sharp. PPN with an actual space, a hard space, as they call it. A, well, I guess a hard break is an enter key, but a hard space from the space bar. And then put hotline and a bunch of options. Well, there won't be any other options because it's just us. It should pop up. Now, what you got to do, I believe, DP, is send me a handshake. And, of course, since they've been changing it here, uh, Microsoft, on a regular basis, uh, it used to just send a little message. And now they send a little emoticon with a smiley, wavy face. I have to okay that. And then you can call right in and merge in like Robert has now done on top of DP. So welcome to both you guys. Robert, what you think hey, of that game last night? Good morning. What you think of that game last night? I didn't night? get to watch it like you did. Uh, I only caught part on the radio on the way home. But my goodness, what a uh, total domination of uh, the Louisiana State. Uh, University Tigers, and I tip my hat to you and to them, they clearly anointed themselves as the best team in all of college football football for 2019, and uh, uh, just uh, total domination, I thought. Robert, uh, they, they showed they showed their wares. Some of those analysts, and I've, of course, been immersed in all that stuff for a couple of days, really, before the game and then since. Some of those analysts who I really respect are saying it's the finest offensive football in the history of college football. Now, that's a hell of a statement. I would, I would agree. And, uh, uh, 60 touchdowns, which is a record. Yep. Uh, only six interceptions. Uh, top ten, seven top ten teams beat them all. Five well, top it's, five teams. It's the only – it's yeah. the only team in, in, in the history of college football that's beaten the top four preseason teams in one season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's thrilling, you know. And, and for me, yeah. after being, uh, you know, I mean, I, I can tell you the story of, well, I'd been in Alaska, you know. My, we'd been living up in Anchorage for four years. Hell, there's only four teams in the whole state of Alaska. They're all in Anchorage. <laughs> Back when I was there, it may have changed. And, you know, we play no each doubt. other. Yeah, play each other twice, you know. And so uh, he, my dad gets his final assignment, and it's down in Alexandria, Louisiana. And I didn't know anything about Louisiana. And uh, I remember I've told it on the, on the show before. In our high school, they had up in the library, uh, all the states had groupings of all the colleges and little pamphlets they send out. And so I went up to the library. It's a beautiful library. Fell through in the earthquake, actually. And uh, so uh, I went to Louisiana, and there's a number of those books there, and I just started grabbing them. The first one I grabbed was Grambling. <laughs> I didn't know any different, you know? And so, and, and, and so I get down there, and I get immersed into the uh, LSU system. And the first year I was there, I went to the, one of the satellite uh, facilities in Alexandria because it's close to home. And uh, But I went down. I was anxious to go to one of those games. I'd heard about them, you know, living there for a little bit. And so I went down to Baton Rouge with somebody. And I remember it was a Mississippi State game. It was towards the end of the season. Charlie McClendon was still the coach down there. This in the 60s. And, uh, and the stadium was nowhere near what it is now. But 
you walk up sure. and, and and you walk through the back, you know, up those ramps and all that stuff in the back of fa- uh, 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 scaffolding of the stadiums, the way they're built. And we had tickets way up on the top row. And all of a sudden you come through this portal and this scene is in front of you. And I mean to tell you, at 18 years old, 19, it took my breath away. I mean, I'd been in Alaska yeah. for a year. I'd never seen anything like that, you know. And so yeah. from that moment on, I was pretty hooked. And uh, uh, to see uh, them them go through the ups and downs that they've gone through um, and to see it uh, finally settle in with Orgeron, who's going to be there for a long time and is going to be very successful. I think so. so uh, it's exciting. I think you so. know, it's really exciting. And, uh uh, for me, I don't want to dwell too much on on here, but it's exceptional, you know, to accomplish what those guys have accomplished. Back, I was very anxious to uh, for the season to start this year because I knew that we had a lot of potential. And uh, so the the very first game of the year, we played Georgia Southern, which most people go, well, that's just a little, you know, dingbat school. Georgia Southern's got a real good football history program because I lived over there. Uh, and they've won a couple of national championships in their division. They're a tough little football team, okay? And uh, so they came in, and I was watching the first quarter, and at the same time, uh, Auburn was opening their season against Oregon. That was the big national broadcast game. And it was opposite. Right, and it was opposite, directly opposite, same starting times. And so I was watching ours, and and through the first two or three series – Burroughs is just picking those guys apart. And I, I have a good yep. obby friend up there in Alabama that I talk to about football, and, and uh, uh, his name's Shane. And I got a hold of him, and I said, hell, I'm going to watch y'all's game. Our game's boring. We look like the pros. And, the, and you know, when you hey, – oh, oh, it's the competition. Look at the competition. Well, I knew George Southern was a pretty good little program, but Burroughs did to them what he's been doing all year long, okay? It's just a phenomenal yeah. incident, yeah. and uh, it's like no season that I've uh, been in. We've won a couple of national championships, but nothing like this. Well, Heisman Trophy, breaking every record, coach of the year, assistant coach of the year, yeah. receiver of the year. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. so it's pretty cool, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, glow in it for a few days. You should, you should, and uh, clearly, uh, uh, Orderon outcoached Devil Tween, which doesn't happen very often from anybody to that guy. He's usually the genius in the room. Not last night. They had they had me a little concerned there in the early part of the game, but I you know got a lot of faith in our guys, and I knew they'd figure it out and pull yeah. through. And but the yeah. turning point yeah, in did. the game to me, if you didn't see it, was they had a absolute bulldog all American linebacker Savinsky or something like that's his name. Yeah, I heard and, about that. Yeah, and, and he uh, uh, he got kicked out in the third period for spe- for targeting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, and it was legitimate. Yeah. I feel sorry for the guy. He was just playing with passion and emotion, yeah. and they're making that transition in the game, trying to protect players, and I think it's a good move, and it was a legitimate call. But, yeah, it was a great game, man. It's a, it's a wonderful thing, and we're uh, we're real happy uh, about all of that. So, But, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket on the side. It's a wonderful distraction for me. Um, but, but I know for a lot of other people that aren't interested, it doesn't mean a hill of beans, you know, 
Uh, but there was one nice glimmer that I noticed this morning in the small amount of time I've been able to put into looking at things this morning is Bitcoin spiked up to other than LSU, uh, other than uh, LSU 8,700. And, you know, it's the, well, the trade okay. talks are all right. Well, the trade talks are on the rocks. Well, they've straightened out and they're bringing back. And, uh, you know, but you've got things like Jim Rogers the other day, um, who's, you know, pretty notable financial guy, uh, very well-respected and recognized. He used to be George Soros's partner in Quantum, and uh, he's a big commodities guy, and he came out. I haven't had a chance to, again, watch the interview because I've been distracted, but the statements uh, were, hell, I can't believe this thing's gone this far. So we're real close to some major things happening. President Trump was at the game last night, and he has personally called – yeah, he's personally called Coach Orgeron a couple of times. You know, he, he went all the way down to the Alabama game, too. He really likes LSU, and he, he likes did. Orgeron. He likes Louisiana because uh, they like him, as yeah. you saw last night, if you were watching that. Yeah, he, I heard – I think I read for the, the, the drought cheered him, which uh, uh, was interesting. But yeah, yeah they I, do. Well, in that part of the country, he's going to get mobbed anywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you're going back to the, the the battle we're still fighting today is, and I love the way, you know, some of the ways that I've learned through this show and the people we've had on and the ideas and concepts and accurate history we've discussed. And the end result is to try and simplify things. You know, the simpler you get them, the easier they are to understand. And the basic, a basic yeah. understanding here is well, that – that period of time uh, before the uh, the civil debauchery was the Jeffersonian America, <clears throat> and after it and since, and the world we have been living in our whole lives is the Lincolntonian America, and we're still striving to get back to those Jeffersonian ideas and ways of living and applying to our lives and government. You know, um, that really is the struggle. It's still going on. I think we're starting yeah. to get a little bit of an edge, but I mean, it, how simple is that? Jefferson and Lincoln, okay, and their philosophies and how that projected uh, onto the countryside, you know, and the fact that these goons and goblins, these these total misfits, uh, uh, want to have these ideals to control the world for whatever their sordid reasons stated on the surface good or underneath rotten as hell. Who knows? Um, it's, it's just a big deal to understand it and be able to simplify it. It, it soothes your mind. It's like putting salve on your mind. I, yesterday, excuse me, my stomach's want to act up a little bit here. Yesterday, Daryl said something that was in a video he had sent me to look at um, over the weekend. I did take a minute to do that on Sunday. And in the video, he said, go to about three minutes. And in there, he said, is this what could be causing, I forget how he linked it to Epstein, but it was a silhouette picture of a, a, a young woman and a guy, and the guy from the silhouette is obviously Bill Clinton. Uh, so don't know, but in that video, in the lead up to that three minutes, I kind of watched it rather than fast forward to it because it was real, a lot of edits and, and, and different things real quick. And one of the things he said, Daryl, Daryl, uh, brought up yesterday and I'm glad he did because it was a profound statement. It's in this dialectical framework. 
And it says our, our, our ability is not that we can't feed the poor. Our, yeah. in, our inability <laughs> is we cannot satisfy the insatiable rich. He didn't say mm -hmm. it that eloquently. It's yeah. a little simpler, yeah. but uh, they're insatiable. I, I thought little, yeah. Go ahead. I thought a little blurb about the Boeing guy that got um, the, the, the parachute of 60 million or whatever. Right. I saw that somewhere on, on Yahoo News, I think, or in my email or somewhere. Yeah, it was just a story. I wish I'd have read it. I didn't, you know, anymore. I just kind of scan the headlines, and if it really sure. strikes me, I look into it and maybe even listen to the video. Uh, interesting days. It's going to be a real interesting year. We're lucky to have this platform and the knowledge we have and a group of guys out there and listeners like you guys. And uh, uh, It's just uh, it's it's fulfilling to me. We might not have much of a toehold, but we got one. We do. We do. We do. Yes, we do. So, um, anything else on, on, on either of your minds? I mean, uh, we sit here and I'm sure I know the audience doesn't want to listen to LSU football, but there are uh, some really, <laughs> some, uh, some other really interesting things happening. Now, here's Chris calling in. Uh, although LSU, well, you know, LSU football has got, it does have an angle here with what we do and in the fact that it's one of the few programs out there. I mean, as I think I've told you before, uh, Robert, when we've talked about it, you know, if you talk about football in the South, the very first thing that comes to your mind, generally most people's bear Bryant. Yeah, and the impression, Paul Bryant. yeah, Paul Bear Bryant, the, the impression that he left with the years of, uh, of coaching and influence he had up there in Tuscaloosa, but few people know that LSU is the program that Huey P. Long built. Uh, I heard that. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm, you did say that. Yeah, I've given a little bit of the history before, but it's he 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 had a real real strong bond with the university, and he was a smart enough politician to see what the football meant to the people there and how it could be utilized politically. <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah. and he did it. No I mean, he loved the team. He there are pictures I've I've seen pictures I've had them in my possession before all these hard drives started going wanky on me. They're still somewhere um, of him. Before a game on the 50-yard line with the referees on each mm -hmm. side of him with his arms around him. <laughs> 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 I'm not kidding you now. And uh, he'd sit wow. uh, some of the games. He'd actually sit on the bench with the team. Uh, he was he was a real mm -hmm. real. And uh, the, the but the funniest story really to me is that great. Uh, monument there, the Tiger Stadium, which has been built onto and now holds 102,000, I think. And the they say, and I'm going to tell you that this is true right here, that there ain't no place in the world like Tiger Stadium on Saturday night. Okay, I mean it. It, it is an experience, and and people can tell you about it. You can see it on TV, but until you experience it personally, you don't really understand what I'm talking about. But boy, it it's really uh, it's really something. So. They needed a new stadium, and Huey was the governor at that point, and so he got legislation to build LSU a new football stadium, and he 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 got it you know started in the Senate and the legislature, 
and his political opponents blocked it. And so uh, he went back to the drawing board and he came out with a plan for them to build new dormitories for the male students, and they okayed that. And when they built the dormitory, there's a football stadium inside. <laughs> <coughs> that, Pretty now, smart. Now, that's true. A okay. Little, a little uh, and uh, it's so interesting. Um, let me say one thing that it really has struck me over this football season. And it's not just for our players. And the one that, that I, I, I really uh, uh, admire and like a lot is Tua Tugovaloa, who is the quarterback at yeah. Alabama that's moving on to the NFL that got injured this year. Uh, and I saw it last night yeah. in a couple of our players in the interviews immediately after the game, and I've seen it throughout the season when these young people get up and the first thing they do is thank God for their abilities and the blessings that he gave them to be able to do yeah. this. The first yeah. thing out of their mouth. Another good one, to, uh, Tim Tebow uh, wears his faith on his sleeve. And it's very yeah. refreshing to yeah. see those young men in that in this society and culture with all the things that I, I don't know too much about social media, I try not to let it touch my life because I really don't involve myself in it. But I know a lot of those people are immersed in it. And for many of them, it is their world, unfortunately. Okay. But with all of those forces at play, for those kids to get up there and expound their faith is the first thing that they say out of their mouth in that moment is pretty impressive to me as I think about it. I think so. I agree. I agree. Okay. Hey, Chris. I Chris, I finally called Chris back. Hey, man. Uh, congratulations on the LSU Tigers. Uh, great victory last night in a hard-fought battle. We did pretty good. It was a darn good game. Uh, we, we've had a couple of a pretty testy games this year, and both of them were really the Alabama teams. Uh, one of them, Auburn, we played at home, gave us a very hard test there. They've got a great defensive coordinator, Kevin Steele. And then the other game we played was in Tuscaloosa, uh, um, and uh, which I think the game we dominated a little them a little more than the store would indicate. But regardless, those were two hard games. That one last night was really hard in the first half. I was uh, sitting on the edge of my seat that first quarter because of uh, Venable's defense. And when that number 47 got thrown out in the second half for uh, 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 spearing, whatever they call it, um, targeting, uh, that was a real turn in the game. I mean, it was, you could almost feel it. So it was a good game. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Don't mean to dwell too much on it, but it is a pretty important event, especially for me. As I recall. Pardon me? Well, I was just going to say that the uh, Texas game right out of the hat was a pretty tough one for him to get by, and then it was all downhill pretty much after that. You know, but, uh, a really great, great football game. And of course, Southern America. And all of Mid-America football teams have been part of our national culture, strictly American almost completely. Yeah, man, you got the exhaust going off there. You know, it's interesting. I told this story. Uh, don't inhale those fumes, Chris. Uh, I was uh, uh, relating the story earlier, and, and it was very insightful for me this season. Uh, not just from this standpoint of the current, but one of the things that SEC Network, which all these 
conferences now have their own networks, and all, they're about to renegotiate all those deals, like CBS, SEC Saturday, and all that yep. stuff is being renegotiated yep. right now. Yep. You know, the national championship yep. game was on where last night? ESPN. ESPN. Yeah. yeah, and you know who owns that whole complex now, do you, Robert? Disney. 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 So – uh, but one of the things they did do, and you got a, they got a big organization. They can do stuff like this. Is this fall, and I talked about it one, once or twice. They did a series that was produced very much like uh, Ken Burns' The Civil War. If you remember that great series from twenty, thirty years ago, in that style, yeah. you know. And it was called, and it, you probably can access it i know you can ask access it on your phone if you uh, if you download an espn app all the episodes and they'll probably have it on youtube eventually but it was a eight eight episode series of an hour and a half per episode uh, produced like ken burns in the civil war and it's called saturdays in the south and it goes back to the earliest history and the formation of the SEC and all the stuff that happened before that with actual, you know, footage where they can get it and pictures. But in that, they told this story. And it does bear on the things that we talk about here in an extent and even more than as you, if you think about it. Um, in 1928, they renamed this bowl in california the rose bowl they'd been having a contest but it wasn't named the rose bowl and in 28 they renamed it the rose bowl and so the next year when they were going to invite the participants they invited a couple of the northeast teams i don't remember which ones like dartmouth or somebody else and they both declined for whatever reasons and so the Winner of the Southern Conference, this is before the SEC was formed, the winner of the Southern Conference had been Alabama that year. And so they reluctantly invited Alabama to the first Rose Bowl. It was the year before it was nationally broadcast. So they didn't even start broadcasting it live till the next year. All right. And I remember a couple of the comments distinctly because of people, a couple of people on the committee, one of them said, I didn't even know Alabama had a football team. <laughs> and, and the other one said, I don't want to invite a bunch of lemons to a bowl of roses. But they reluctantly invited Alabama. This is before flight. And so they had to take the train out there. It took them couple of days, three or four days to get out there in the train, and they had to stop and practice. Sure. They had to stop and practice where they could find an open field, okay, on the way out. And so they went out, and they played the first half. They were behind, and they went in at, at half and came back out with some forward passing from some really, you know, famous Alabama quarterback to some guy that caught those passes, and they won the game. Uh, a big upset. And they said on the way back on the train, when they started getting into the South, at every town that they went through, there's thousands of people at the train station. Wow. <laughs> okay. And the Talk comment. About a party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and especially when they got to Tuscaloosa. But the comment that the commentator made was what struck me. Because you can imagine the scene, okay? 
Now, this is 1928 or 9, one of those two years. And the commentator said it's the first time since Reconstruction that the South had beaten the North at anything. Well, that's probably true. Now, do you understand the significance of that statement for the the, the people yeah. in the South? So aggrieved, yeah. so you know that whole thing. Yeah. As we understand it now, uh, uh, such a debauchery, so much loss of life, brother fighting brother. The scars yeah. are still in our culture and our society over a hundred years later. Okay. And can you imagine the moment, even though it's on a football field, when we could whoop their ass? Yeah. yeah. And and then as it went forward, and I know I told you this one time, Robert, um, but because of the isolation of the South for all those years and the aftermath and the schisms from that debauchery, called the Civil War, mm-hmm. we had no professional football teams. But we had all this history and culture and these rivalries like, uh, well, like George Auburn. It's the oldest continuous football yeah. rivalry in the country. Um, uh, Auburn-Alabama, which was an inter- is a very interesting matchup because they didn't play for 45 years. Did you know that? No, I didn't. They had a lapse in the it, 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 from the turn of the century up until the 40s when they're, they didn't play each other. And they finally, it got so much pressure inside the state of Alabama that the legislature passed a, passed a bill and said, if you don't start playing each other, we're not going to fund you. Mm. Wow. Okay. And so well, there's, some, there's some great history. There's some great history in the pageantry and the, you know, there's just nothing like college football. It, it really is far superior yeah. to the pros. Uh, you, back in, you back in traffic there, Chris? Sorry about that. Uh, okay. Uh, Getting back to Huey Long, do you know a guy named Donald Jeffries, Roger? Doesn't ring a bell. He is a historian. Um, researches things like the Revolutionary War, War of 20 States, where we just talked about, uh, right. Kennedy assassination, et cetera. Really, really good researcher. And he's done a deep dive on Huey Long. Did you know that Huey Long is a guy, according to Donald Jeffries, is the one who came up with 40-hour work weeks? Yeah, well, his his slogan was a chicken in every, every man a king and a chicken, a chicken in every pot. Uh, he yeah, was a yeah. real populist guy. I'm going to tell you what. He scared the bejesus yeah. out of Roosevelt and the and the cabal because his yeah. popularity. He he he's about like Ed Orgeron. Okay, I mean his popularity was incredible in the day. And of course, when you have that kind yeah. of popularity, you have your detractors. Yeah, some in particular. Uh, not only that, I think he came with overtime. Uh, with uh, sick leave, and he also wanted to change the tax code so that if people, those earning 99000 or less were exempt from taxes, only earners 100000 or over would pay under his plan. Obviously, that didn't come to fruition, and that's probably one reason why he was knocked off, but interesting guy. Well, he was. he was. He was a very, very charismatic politician, an, un- an orator yeah. on the scale of Hitler. 
honestly, from what uh-huh. I've heard. Um, he, um, uh, I got so many thoughts. I had one I was going to grab onto, and I lost it here. I'll, it'll, it'll come back to me. Um, w- one of the reasons you, that we play on Saturday nights is because that, that was Huey Long. And his deal was, mm. along the vein of what you were saying, is he said, I want every working man to be able to work a full day and come and watch the Tigers play football at night. <laughs> That's why we traditionally play at night. Uh, he was quite a, uh, quite a guy. I, I read a story when he was, uh, of course, he's not only governor of Louisiana, he was elected senator. And he was up there right when Franklin Delano Roosevelt got elected and they were doing all these shenanigans. And he was very outspoken. He was really against the Rockefeller oil cabal, which was cannibalizing Louisiana as they started finding all those oil deposits down there. That was sure. about the sure. same time, you know. Uh, if you're, I guess if you're an oil person, uh, one of the characteristic places that they, the geological formations that they look for oil in are salt domes. Okay. Mm. You know what a salt dome is? It's a, mm, educate me. It's a big column of salt that geographically appears. It's not like salt you think you put on your table. It's, it, 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 it's kind of ubiquitous. In other words, you, one of the things they use those salt domes for is they go in because it seals itself in that state and they will drill out the inside of the salt where it's got like a reservoir capacity and put stuff in there because it doesn't leak okay but around those salt domes very often are is found big reservoirs of oil and louisiana's got those salt domes all the way through it that's where tabasco came from tabasco comes from avery island just around lafayette and it's built on a salt dome, and uh, Tabasco was originally carried down in the salt dome and cured in the early days when they were, you know, starting well, out. Uh, so that was being discovered around that time. He had a very adversarial relationship with the cabal. But I read this story. He was having a meeting in his Senate office, had a couple of constituents there or something, and he was – in the middle of a conversation with them about something, and somebody came in, an aide came in and said he was really needed in the Senate for a vote on this real key vote. And so he got up talking to them, and they started following him. And he left his office, and by the time that he got, it's continuing to talk to him the whole time, and the crowd keeps growing. And by the time he got to the Capitol building, there was this crowd of thousands and he stood up on the capitol wow. stepped and talked to him that incident right there is what they they said probably killed him okay mm. uh but yep. uh yep. that's the power he had with the people he had an incredible incredible uh, uh talent for oratory and political savvy he's quite a guy huey p long mm. they wrote a book about him a guy that was at lsu when mm. i was still there and I don't remember his name, wrote a uh, uh, Pulitzer-winning novel called All the King's Men. And it was made into a motion picture. You can probably find it online, and that's the story of Huey P. Long. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to look that up then. 
But, uh, yep, quite fascinating history Louisiana's got with uh, the Mississippi and New Orleans being there and such a critical port and all of the fusions of all the different ethnicities and the uniqueness of the culture and all that stuff. It's a real cool place. I'm glad God put me there for a few years and I was exposed to it. They're a fun-loving bunch, I'm going to tell you. Especially in February when Fat Tuesday runs around. No, no, all year. I mean, that's just that's probably certainly one of the high points. Mainly if you're in New Orleans, but all year long they have these festivals. Uh, they in different towns. You know, they got the Crawfish Festival down in Bro Bridge, which is a little mini Mardi Gras. They got a thing called the Kushan Delay, which was up around where I was living in a, a, a little bitty town. Uh, 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 I can't think of it in Marksville or something around Marksville or Bunky or somewhere around there. And it's a pig festival. And they got the Sunflower Festival and the This Festival. They got them going on all over the place. They're a real fun-loving group of people, those, those Cajuns. Must be. Yeah, very unique. Um, so anyway, Chris, are you back in, out of traffic or what, man? <laughs> I mean, I hate it. I hate being. Yeah, I wonder what it's for this morning, so I apologize, guys. Did you say you had to go, or you're going now? I'm going with a friend of mine. It's a really curious case. I'll have to tell you about it another day. All right. Well, we'll get some sort of a wrap-up report from uh, you know roving paralegal Chris. And uh, <laughs> yes, indeed, he's my advocate. Well, uh, you know, you got to hand it to Chris. To uh, what's the the old saying? The best thing in life is to lay down your life for your friends, something like that. And when you're doing what Chris is doing, you're really giving your life to other people in service, of trying to get them through this maze, beastly system. Uh, Robert, you liked my, uh, my little, uh, metaphor yesterday about hockey and basketball. Don't you think that simplified? I did. It? I thought it was, I, I thought it was apropos for, uh, 14th amendment and, uh, the, uh, document that affidavit. Yeah, that perfectly. Yeah. I mean, isn't that, that really, that really it? Isn't that really it? Yes. Those guys like Cody and yes. I, you know, I like to pick on Cody. Uh, yeah. the, uh, they think we're playing common law and they keep referring back well, the constitution then, 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 and they don't know we're playing this hybrid merchant law over here. And well, you got to make that, you've got to be able to make that differentiation in your mind. If you can't if you don't, it's like being half pregnant. That's for sure. If you can't make that absolute clear-cut line of demarcation clear in your mind and focus it and see that, oh, this is what we're supposed to be, but this is how they frauded us into. I mean, why is it so difficult for people to get that? It's so damn simple. Several reasons. Number one, it's not taught. That's for sure. And number two, we're led to believe that... uh, the Constitution is in all be all. Well, you know, uh, it, but let me correct you. you. You're right. In a general sense, it's not taught, but it's taught here. And when you teach somebody yeah, and they still can't see it and get it, what 
where's the snafu? I'm not picking on Cody. There's other people that have been in this situation. I've come up across them in my many years of doing this. But you see, the answer that we're looking for is why that is. Why can't they get that very simple, those two concepts clear in their mind enough to separate them where they can put everything else in perspective? Proper perspective. I don't know. I mean, I'm asking. But you see, that's a big answer for us if we could find the little magic potion. And boy, as hard as I've worked on that concept for as many years, and what I've had to admit is it is as I come to understand it and get frustrated by it more, it's the Old Testament statement because they have not a love of the truth. It's not what I'm giving them. The problem is they have not a love of the truth and can't designate that on top of being conditioned and how they've been, all of us have been conditioned and things like you're talking about the immediate connotation in your mind. When the word constitution is said, you know, people's eyes, ding, 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 constitution. Hell, they ain't never read it. They don't know what it says. The greatest document is the Declaration of Independence. That's where we get, that's where we get access to those God-given rights. All the Constitution is supposed to do is protect them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, uh. That's well, remember, it. Roger, you had problems with this, too, 27, 28, 29 years Oh, well, ago. listen, man, I'm telling you, it's taken me many years to get through it, and I've totally immersed myself yeah. in it and, and come to understand yeah. it to the point where I can simplify it and regurgitate it to you guys so you don't have yeah. to do all that. Yeah. That's true. We appreciate that. <laughs> it is a thorny, uh, thorny issue, to be sure. I can't tell you. I wish I could calculate, Robert. How many tens of thousands of hours I've pondered this stuff? Because I'm a thinker, you know. I I I, I like my solitude. I like, like to think. Well, whatever. That's just the way I'm wired, you know. I can't help it. It's the way I'm wired. And uh, uh, so I've as I got into this, it's the greatest puzzle I've ever stumbled onto. And man, I could it. I don't know whether I couldn't let go of it or it could didn't let go of me. I don't know which one of those are a healthy combination of the two. But once I was exposed to it, my mind would never rest. And it still to this day, 30 years later, you're sitting there trying to put stuff together. And here it is, 30 years almost down the road. And do you know I'm still figuring this damn damn thing out? It just amazes me how. Well, I dare say you've got the majority of it figured out. Though. Oh, I got the majority of it. I, I agree with you, but I like getting the little minor points straightened out, like what we got last week with all the information from uh, Alan Buttles on Northern Ireland and the influence of the Zionists there since 1290. Mm. Mm. Did you miss those shows, Robert? I vaguely remember you saying 1290. That that rings a little bit of a bell. Well, I'm going to tell you what, man. You need to go back. Those of you that missed it, last Wednesday, Paul is the one that turned us on to this originally, and he had heard this guy, Alan Buttles, talk, which I'm going to reference here and talk about, and he was so shocked by the information that he 
got on his regular show with uh, uh, this uh, uh, Hitchcock that he's on weekly, and they got Buttles on there. So there's two, well, about two and a half hours to listen to if you really want to listen to it. First one's an hour and a half, and Paul's is a little over an hour. But it's startling information. When you get a group like we've got, honestly, of people that have devoted much of their lives to finding out answers and facts and putting things in perspective, and you throw something in there that none of us have ever seen before or heard, mm-hmm. I mean, that's new. That's really, really new fertile ground to me. And that happened last week. Uh, and it's amazing all the facts that Alan Buttles brings out. And, of course, well, you know, I didn't know too much about it. I just never could figure out why those people were fighting each other over there. When I was younger, you know, the Irish Republican Army and this bombing and this killing. and Yeah. yeah. Well, I never could figure all that out. And I didn't have the it wasn't the right time for me to understand it. But I knew it was going on. And I never knew till last week who was behind it. And why? And it goes and back see, to 1290 is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, it goes back to 1290 when they kicked the Jews out of England. And they couldn't hide in England anymore, but they could go up into Ireland to get outside the cities and hide. And that's where a bunch of them went. And then they were also getting kicked out of Portugal and Spain in the Inquisition and all those days. And a bunch of them went up there, evidently, to the point that Benjamin Netanyahu's father named Netanyahu's older brother for one of the Irish Catholic revolutionaries they've got a a 3,000 acre forest in Israel named after him in Israel significant and they were running guns because that was the same time they were trying to get guns and doing fundraising for all the Zionist stuff in the you know when this was cooking back uh, you know 80, 80 years ago and the uh, the IRA guys worked hand in hand with all the Jews and who was one of them's best friend Jabotinsky the guy that formed that whole militant group which uh, Netanyahu's father was a, uh, was a part of they were best friends so now it tells you how they got a bunch of the guns and the fundraising and how they've got this base and why Ireland's the big tax haven it is today and why they're so tight with the EU. and See, it just answers all kinds of questions. One little group information, okay? And I really encourage you guys to go back the references. I think both the links to the uh, interviews are in the show description on last Wednesday's cast box entry. But that's where we talked about it originally. Would Alan Buttles be on YouTube? Uh, he may be. He's he's on a, a thing called podcasts.com. That's where I went and accessed it. Podcasts. Okay. And it's Alan, B-U-T-T-L-E-S, I believe is the spelling. And uh, some other people okay. have, that were familiar with Alan said, well, I don't know. He draws some really weird conclusions and this. Well, I've never heard anything else he's ever done. I never heard about the guy until this one p- particular uh, uh, piece of work that he did. But, boy, it's got some really, really, for us, 
startling information in there, like I said, that puts a lot of pieces of the puzzle together. For me, that's what I keep continue striving to do is to see how they built this thing and how it works. It's only when you know the structural part of it, like an engineer looking at a schematic, that that guy sure. can go, this is a weak point in this design. Bam. Well, when you understand their system and have that schematically in your mind, you can go in and pick up the weak points. Okay, let's see. Miss Captain Daryl's wanting to call in here and enlighten us with something. So that means, of course, with the new Skype, I get to call him back. Now, once he gets his tech guy out there and gets all of his new stuff straightened out where it works right, he can call right in on Skype and merge right in with us and have uh, what we're hoping real good fidelity. So let's see. Captain Daryl, did you get with us yet, or are we still calling you? Oh, I'm still calling you. Nope, there he is, popped right in, heard him. Hey, Captain. Yeah, you're right. As soon as my tech guy gets the new drivers, it's the it's a driver problem on this new computer. So, um, <clears throat> well, uh, very interesting. Morning, Robert. How are you, Chris? Morning. I'm well. Good to hear you all. Yeah. Hey, you, uh, you were talking uh, about... Uh, it was interesting how you seg- segued uh, uh, football into uh, uh, Huey P. Long and Roosevelt. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's part of the fascination, really. Uh, well, it's part of the, the fascination of LSU football because I wouldn't have known all that stuff had I not been so involved over the years. But like I said, LSU's the program that Huey P. Long built, okay? Yeah, well, I, I mean, there's a so there is a there is tangible evidence of the benefits of being a football aficionado. Okay. So uh, I want to I want to pull I want to pull a quote I pull a quote together from Mr. Huey P. Long that probably most people haven't heard. Uh, brilliant, brilliant man. He was he was murdered. Uh, he he had to die, uh, and uh, so. Uh, there was the inaugural address of Franklin Delano Roosevelt in in uh, thirty three, and he makes a brilliant inaugural address. I mean, if you would if you would read the inaugural address of Franklin Delano Roosevelt in nineteen thirty three, you would and took it at face value, you would vote Democrat. And and so uh, after the fact, uh, Mister Huey Senator Huey Long has a uh, has a comment about Mr. Roosevelt after the fact. He goes, um, he, he said of Franklin Roosevelt, he says, it was high cockalorum, yes. <laughs> Roosevelt and low, and, and low cockalorum Hoover. The difference between them only being the difference between Tweedledee or Tweedledum and Tweedledee. Mr. Roosevelt is only a skilled politician who has re has recourse to cunning and make believe, and uh, uh, this is uh, this is part of the uh, uh, can, the linguistics of uh, Mr. 
you, Mr. You, Long. You can find that clip of him. There was some. Uh, there's a film clip that somebody's converted into video. It's on YouTube. If you go put Huey P. Long, a bunch of stuff will pop up. But it shows him giving that very same theme on, in a campaign stump, and he's and he's talking about. Well, we got two snake oils. One's the high popolorum, and the other's the low popolorum. And the difference is, we take the the nectar of the bark on that high popolorum. From the bark that we skin from the top down. And from the low popolorum, we take it from the bark we skin from the bottom up. So, yeah, same thing. He does a great <laughs> job of it, man. He was a, he, yeah. I'm not kidding you when I say he was an orator on the, on the level of Hitler. I'm not kidding. Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, you know, there's a if you if you look through uh, take the time to just make a list uh, of all the uh, <clears throat> all the men that were uh, assassinated and murdered from uh, oh you know the 1890s up through uh, the 1960s uh, it, it's it's a uh, it's a it's a very significant number and. All of them, all of them seem to have a general theme in common. Yep. Uh, when you when you realize who their uh, uh, adversaries were, political adversaries and economic adversaries were. So, um, uh, I I think it would be safe to say that. Uh, well, at least I can support the statement is that uh, the uh, the development and the uh, actualized. Uh, reality of the politics that we've lived with through our whole life was built on the uh, on a foundation of murder and assassination, and uh, um, uh, so you know that's you know you know just the list and right off the top the of my head right off the, you know, the top of my head starting with yeah. McKinley okay and you go forward and yeah. who, who 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 else did they kill of significance so the next one that really, there's obviously others they had to do something with the Lindbergh baby and i think that that was a direct resort back at Lindbergh's father for opposing them so effectively the way he did don't forget his one vote yep. and coalition was what kept us out of the league of nations in 1919 Okay. Yeah. Uh, the other one that was very formidable opposition to him is Lewis T. McFadden, and it took them four times to kill him. Uh, and then the ones we've talked about, Daryl Forrest, all and the others that were opposing Israel and saying what was going to happen in that part of the world if we supported these heinous bastards, and uh, then yeah. Kennedy, of course. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a formidable list of really good Americans that tried to stand up in those crucial days when they were building the foundation of what they knew they were building. We didn't know it. We just knew all these things weren't right and they were going to have severe repercussions. And unfortunately, a lot of those people lost their lives because of it. Now, yeah. well, I mean, uh, I mean, there is, there is a, just a, uh, I, I've been reading the book off and on, uh, I should be ashamed of myself. I haven't finished it. It's uh, it's called the assassination of James Forrestal by oh, David yeah. Martin. Yeah. Uh, and the, uh, the 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 point is is that uh, James Forrestal, uh, uh, at the time 
of uh, his demise, and in that three or four year period, or the two year period before that, well, let me put it this way: just right after the end of World War II, uh, he travels to uh, Potsdam. Okay, now he's Secretary of the Navy, and he travels to Potsdam, and he's not invited. Okay, he he was. This is at the end of the war. And uh, the, the big three uh, are getting together, and uh, everybody's going to Potsdam, but but Forrestal's left out, and he goes on his own, on his own money. He he travels there, and you know who his traveling companion was? Forrestal's no. traveling companion. No, no, I'll give you just take a wild guess. Who is Forrestal's traveling companion? <laughs> okay. Okay, it, it's a hard guess. Uh, John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Oh, <laughs> wow! And this, this is—they are buddies. <laughs> okay, J, young JFK <laughs> at the end of World War II. Uh, you know, hero of PT one hundred and nine is is traveling with uh, who at that time uh, or just was in transition of coming out of being the Secretary of Navy to the Secretary of Defense, the first Secretary of Defense. And these two do a uh, a private trip to be present at Potsdam uh, for the uh, uh, the end of World War II. <clears throat> okay. Now, uh, here's another interesting tie-in uh, later on. Well, Forrestal falls out of the, uh, I don't know, 16th or... 13th floor of the Bethesda Naval uh, Bethesda Naval Hospital. And, and any any idea later on where Joe McCarthy dies? Would it be Bethesda? But Bethesda Naval Hospital. Where, where did they? Where did and where did they monkey the? That ain't the, a good place to go if you're a politician. And where did they find the quote unquote magic bullet from the JFK assassination? Bethesda oh, no. Naval and Hospital. And Bethesda Naval Hospital. Gosh, what a quinky dink! Yeah. I'm I'm having I'm having yeah. the most stimulating quinky dink, and I'm just my I'm just a Twitter. Well, there's so, a there's a lesson there's, there's a lesson in there. If you need help, don't go to the Bethesda Naval Hospital. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't go to Bethesda Naval. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't do it. Now, interestingly, uh, I, I had the opportunity to travel there once uh, with a neurosurgeon from Des Moines, Iowa, who was a naval surgeon and uh, world-renowned uh, brain surgeon for uh, pediatrics, and he was on the board there, there for some brain thing, and uh, I flew him out there in a beach barren. And uh, got to hang out with him a little bit. Real good guy. We actually became very good friends. And uh, so it, it's an interesting place. Uh, looks like a hospital. <clears throat> so anyway, there's. I, I just kind of wanted to pull all that. Those are just like That's, blocks. I just wanted to pull that all. Well, in. that yeah, little bit, those those little tidbits like you just dropped on us that JFK was his traveling companion on a trip they paid for out of their own pockets to see what was really going on are so insightful. Um, Daryl, I wanted to ask you, it came up, we were talking about, they're very insightful. I appreciate you dropping that out there. Just another piece in the puzzle, you know. Um, 
Yeah, on... one, one more yeah. one more tiny thing about that, because uh, yeah. this is sort of the cherry on top of this uh, <clears throat> this sort of quinky dink here. Uh, well, Joe McCarthy, Joe McCarthy's a Republican, right? Yeah. Yep. From yeah, West, Republican. From Wisconsin, yeah, wasn't yeah, he from yeah, West? Wasn't he from Wisconsin? Yeah, yeah, he was in Wisconsin. Yeah. Senator Joe, uh, but he's a he's a Republican. He's a Republican. Uh, guess guess who? Uh, guess who he's having private meetings with and receiving funding and support from. And is is actually uh, has a has a, a fairly close friendship with. There's somebody that he has this really close relationship. Actually, two brothers. One of them is uh, John Fitzgerald Kennedy and uh, Robert Kennedy. <laughs> they're having they're having meetings together. They're having meetings together long before long before JFK runs for president. Wasn't Robert now, Kennedy one uh, of the wasn't the young the uh, Robert Kennedy an attorney on in the McCarthy hearings? I think you were. Well, yeah, Robert Kennedy young uh, an attorney. So there's there's no there's no coincidences in here. No. Uh, somebody else no. is involved in this now, okay, at this point in time, I just, I just there's a tie-in here. There's a tie-in. It comes up to today. So, who who is, there's this guy, there's this, this Machiavellian figure, he's an attorney, he's brilliant, and he is McCarthy's lead uh, legal uh, resource. Okay, he's, he's, he's uh, working Hand in glove with McCarthy. Uh, this is this is the uh, the Jewish fellow named Cohn. Yes, <laughs> Cohn. Right. right, Roy Cohn. And Cohn, where's my Roy Cohn? And 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 Cohn. This is Cohn is a very young Jewish attorney at this time, and he is blistering. He he is. He is the, the brains behind McCarthy, and uh, they're making waves. And, well, uh, with the end result of, of McCarthy, uh, his, his end demise, uh, Roy Cohn goes on to, well, you know, continue to be Machiavelli. And uh, who, is, who is one of his... Uh, uh, his, his young accolades or, or uh, uh, initiates, uh, somebody that he mentors and fosters and, and develops politically, uh, none other than a Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald J. Trump. So this, this ties in, I mean, this, there's, listen, I got, I got this really big shotgun out and I'm spraying a wide pattern, but I'm connecting some dots here that go for, all are. the way from that, that go all the way, all the way back, okay? And, and it's sort of playing leapfrog and brings us up to today. Uh, boy, what did Roy Cohn tell uh, in, these, in these conversations? Uh, what, was, what was said to a 22, 23-year-old Donald Trump? No telling. Interesting, huh? No telling. Very interesting. Real estate um, is king. I want to uh, 
Well, it's like the graduate. He, I sh- I'm sure he didn't pull him off in the corner and tell him plastics, okay? Um, <laughs> Darryl, I, I need to apologize for yesterday, Roger, Roger just, uh, just momentarily. I, I had to jump off. Uh, I didn't have time to tell you, but uh, I had the pleasure of spending uh, yesterday afternoon and lunch with uh, Bob Morgan and his family and wife and daughters. Oh, cool. And we had lunch, and I had to go. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing from Bob again when he gets home, gets settled in. He's been gone a while, evidently. Well, that's a joy. He stopped and had broke bread with Patrick and with you, I guess, on the way back home. That's good news. I'm sure you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it's it's fun. I, I his daughters are a lot of fun. Oh, cool. <laughs> he. he yeah, they're they're good. They're real good. They're real good girls. Yeah. Well, it's like our so, listener. We got a real solid listener base because it's people that want to cut through all the crap to get to the truth, and that puts you in a special mindset, and it brings us all together and glues us together, and it's uh, it's real exciting. I wanted to ask you because it came up last week, and all this last week information keeps resurfacing in my mind and on the show. I want to regurgitate it because I think it's important. You said you had acquired that book that was talked about in there. To Two days before we talked about it, was that what you said? I became aware of that book oh, two okay. days before uh, Paul came on, and and the reason I became aware of it is because I'm a uh, subscriber and listener to T. Um, H. Kelly on YouTube. Uh, he has oh, yeah. shows called Our Inter- Our Interesting Times, and. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and powers and principalities. Well, he had yeah. he had Alan Buttle on uh, the the week the, the previous week's broadcast to Paul showing up uh, and and talking about it. And so he starts, you know, when Paul starts, I caught bits and pieces, and I go, yeah, I I just listened to this guy talk for an hour and forty five minutes, and he talked about Irish republicanism. Uh, so and he he mentions the book. The, the money lender, and of course, um, I, I write down I write down all these things, <laughs> and uh, I can't find it. And I uh, so so uh, you know, Paul brings it up, and, and he says he can't find it. And so a couple of days, uh, I think it was last Friday, I emailed Paul and I said, "Have you found the book? I'm not having any luck, uh, Roger." The book is so rare, I can't even find reference to it. You're kidding. And I'm, I'm looking in rare book searches, and I looked on Scrib. You know, I, I, I'm not I'm not complaining or bragging. I'm not doing either one. I'm just saying what is. I pay eight and a half bucks a month to be a member of Scrib, so I can research and dig for, uh, you know, obtuse and obscure information. And... <clears throat> I can't even find it there. I can't find any reference. Uh, I went through several rare book uh, specialty research sites. Uh, no reference to it. Now, I know it exists. What did he say? And now you it, have my attention. It went through five yeah. printings? Yeah. So uh, it, it's nowhere to be found, and and now you really have my attention. See, now I'm I, now you've really... You're trying to hide something from me, <laughs> and mm. and now and now I'm going to be dogged about it. I'm I'm going to I'm not going to quit. I'm just going to keep looking, 
I'm gonna find I'm gonna find a, a a hard copy. It's just like it's just like a a casual view of America. Uh, the Rothschild letters. Uh, I found a an original printing of that, uh, 1961. Only one printing, never reprinted. I had to wait four months to get it, but I got it. Well, uh, we're we're gonna get a copy of this book between Paul and everybody else. We're gonna find one. There's something in there they don't want to know. Yeah, we know. See, that's just uh, it, Robert. Edelman. We know the Edelman. author, and we know the book title, and we know it was printed five different times. Who was the author? Joseph 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 Edelstein. Edelstein is the uh, author. He's a rabbi. Uh, it, it it went through five reprintings, but it's white. It's been it's been bleached. It's been bleached off the uh, digital platform. This is why. This is why I keep trying to hammer on this. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, I, I even did it a little bit yesterday in my shop. I go, listen, you, you know, this digital stuff is, uh, it's all fun and games and convenient, but it, you know, you got to have the real thing. And uh, so, well, it'll be interesting. You know, these yeah. libraries are important. Yeah. yeah, yeah, catch that, would you, Robert? Uh, it'll be interesting to see if we can if if we can come up with a copy of this as we go forward. Yeah, well, they're they're hiding something. They don't they don't want that to be seen. I wanted to tell you, Daryl, yeah. your connection is real good today. I, I sound good. Yeah, it's good connection today. It's real clear. It's not crackling or you know any of the echoes or any of that stuff. I, I so your chair is squeaking a little I got, bit. I think your your chair needs a little oil. I, I think I got. Most of the weaker. Uh, uh, my boy, I had a, I've had a cold off and on. Um, here's a, here's one thing. Here, here's one thing I wanted to tie up. This, this whole little, little pitter patter I, I brought out about uh, Long and Roosevelt and the rest of this stuff. And it, uh, it, it goes to tie in information that we've heard of before, but it. it it gets separated from our consciousness. Even, even uh, you know, some of us have too much information and we don't have it organized good. That, mm-hmm. that would be me. And uh, But uh, it, it goes back to this. Uh, I'm going to read something to you here, a, a couple of paragraphs, and then you tell me where you think this comes from, <laughs> Roger. Uh, it applies directly, in my opinion, it applies directly to uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt and in that period it goes uh, the political has nothing in common with the moral the ruler who is governed by the moral is not a skilled politician and is therefore unstable on his throne he who wishes to rule must have recourse both to cunning and to make-believe great national qualities like frankness honesty are vices in politics for they bring down rulers from their thrones more effectively and more certainly than the most powerful enemy. Such qualities must be the attributes of the kingdoms of the Goyim, but we must in no wise be guided by them. Who? I, I kind of gave it away, but who? Well, uh, I would, where, I would, where does that come from? Well, when the, at the last there, I would say the Talmud. Otherwise, I would have said my, uh, the prince. Well, that's. I think they're. I, I think they're all. I think they're all uh, uh, related to each other. Yeah, this, 
good possibility this, of that. This is from the elders. This is from the elders, and I quote it. This is a direct quote from Protocol 1. Protocol 1. Okay? That uh, Protocol 1 pretty much describes uh, the fecklessness and the attributes of, uh, uh, of what we see today. So, uh, you know, just remember that the, the, the protocols of the elders, uh, this, this is just all, it's all counterfeit. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. They didn't say it was a fraud. They said it was a counterfeit. Right. So this is, the, the plan is here. I mean, you know, you can, you, you can read the plan, uh, but you, you have to remember something, Roger. You, and uh, you were talking about this earlier, too. I'll shut up in a minute. Uh, uh, you're talking about people, and they have not the uh, the, uh, the ears or the uh, eyes or the heart. Well, this this goes back to my uh, this goes back to my hound dog. I just had to get rid of uh, to the uh, the Edward County uh, Animal Shelter. Uh, he was a great dog, handsome, good in the field. Every day was his first day. Okay, everything he learned today. Uh, it was like, wow, this is great. And tomorrow we had to relearn it again. <laughs> okay. Mm, Every I day know. was his first day. This I, is, this I, is symptomatic of the, the people that you find around yourself. They're, I, they I they have say, amnesia. I was going to say, I know some dogs like that. <laughs> yeah. Every day is their first day. Uh, well, yeah. and, and I've it, pondered you know, this for so many years, Daryl, my, my deceased, very dear friend, Ron Brown, I refer to him on the show sometimes. Uh, and we used to sit around and say, Not if the we could, no, uh, he, he was a guy there in Atlanta and he was a John and Glenn student. He was an insurance agent. Just life. Ron was the life of the party of any party he ever went to. One of those kind of guys, mm-hmm. just charismatic, funny, just Georgia, red dirt, good guy. And Ron and I would sit around for hours, man, and say, if we could only find out what makes us different and synthesize it, we could be millionaires, okay? Uh, I've pondered this for so many years, and now I understand. That's why that when, when that verse from the Old Testament came along at some point, I went, well, boy, there's an answer, okay? And the deeper yeah. I've gotten well, into it, I know that it is the answer. It's nothing that you can do. The best thing you can do, as we've discussed on here so many times in depth, is come up with some simple, clever way to see if they are the right people. Well, yeah. I, I mean, we have anybody, you, me, uh, whoever, it doesn't matter who it is, we have about as much chance of synthesizing this and, and putting it in a bottle as you can put time in a bottle. Remember the song, If I Could Put Time in a Bottle? Jim Croce. <laughs> you know? Jim well, Croce. I even remember the artist. <laughs> yeah. okay. you, you, you can't get time in a bottle. Good stuff. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't, bad, it doesn't bad work that Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, you, you know, you brought it up, you know, it's a... Uh, I've, I've actually made this sort of semi-ridiculous same comment you made earlier. Well, I, I do all this so you don't have to. Well, I don't know. You know, I, I've said that myself, Roger, but, you know, at some point, you know, uh, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him well, drink. I know that's a very old uh, uh, platitude, but it's true. Oh, it, you know, oh, yeah. 
Uh, listen. All I'm trying to do, all I'm trying to do, is salt your oats. That's right. Okay, I'm and trying to. If, if all I'm trying to do is, uh, I'm laying, I'm laying mental booby traps and setting off little uh, cognitive bombs. And if you're not interested after that, then you don't have a love of the truth because you won't take the initiative to go read, go study, ask questions, engage yourself. You have no imagination. Yeah, uh, you're looking to be entertained. Okay, well, move along. Um, let me say, <laughs> let me make, let me make a clarifying statement you on that. You the jitterbug voicemail uh, four five three zero all right, three one seven eight 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 zero. Please. All right. Again, if you call in, I've got to call you back, and it takes sometimes away. Skype's got this configured. It takes me a some a couple of seconds to get you so when i call back boy i don't like to get those answering machines because they ruin our continuity oh. now i've forgotten where we were the important thing i was going to say daryl about my statement and i should, uh, not being succinct enough because eventually i want you to go back and check out all that stuff but you don't have to figure it out and take 15 years to figure it out. I can do that in less than five minutes for you. Now, if you really want to uptake yeah. the information, you're, you need to go back and check out what I told you. Because when you do that, you make it yours. If I tell you well, it's my it, information it, it, that I'm conveying. But once you go and check it out and verify it, now it's yours. Right. Well, it, it only can become yours. Now, I, I don't disagree with that, uh, but but I, I have to I have to add to this. Uh, it, I I agree with that up to the point where uh, they can't make it theirs unless they invest. Okay, yeah, yeah. you can't give any none of this none of this can be given to you until you take the effort to invest in it. Okay, whether you time or your money or both, uh, they're kind of the same. Uh, it, it can't be yours, and you will not retain it, and you will not apply it. If 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 you think that this is going to come to you through osmosis, and you can just listen to it at night while you go to sleep, and you're going to wake up with some understanding, you're fooling yourself. Yep. Okay, it ain't going to happen. You're going to have to put some effort into it. As okay. I've said, there and, and osmosis as I've said so many times. Freedom is not free. It's, there's a cost. And what you're going over right now is the cost of your freedom. Because until you spend that, your capital, your intellectual capital, to intake that into your consciousness, you can't apply it and you can't live it. And that's where your damn freedom is. We all want well, the shortcut. Know, I mean, there ain't no shortcut here. If, if your dad... If your uncle, let's not, not your dad. If your uncle gives you a car, and just says, "Here, your your here, son, here, here, nephew, here's a car. Go drive it. You're 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 17 years old. Here's your car. Are, are you going to take care of it? Probably not. Okay. Probably not. Like if you went out and worked and worked and worked and were making payments. Okay. Just, there's no difference here. There is no difference. It's exactly the same thing. Anything that is given to you, at some point you feel entitled to it, like that car. Where's my next one? If, if, we're just, if you're just being given information and concepts and thoughts 
and, and you're not trying to apply them. You don't respect it. You don't appreciate it because you, you feel now entitled. Yep. You feel entitled to it now. Give me more. Well, you got no well, skin in the game. I think I'm entitled. Well, you got no skin in the game. That's the problem. You said it. You don't have anything that you've exerted that you can attach to that thing, that possession, that you're it's a, a gift horse. You know, and if you got a gift horse, you just don't take care of him as good. Uh, Samuel, I think, finally no. hooked up with us, and I wanted to because we hadn't heard from him too much lately. How you doing out there, Samuel, in California? Uh, pr- pretty lousy personally, but uh, <laughs> about about two months behind on my so-called wannabe schedule. Uh, things just aren't going right. I I didn't load Skype yet, Roger, because I dropped my new phone about oh. five years, five months old into a burn pile and uh, been recovering, uh, getting things loaded back on there and stuff. Yeah, so. okay. Well, whatever, but, your uh, connection, see, since you switch phones, your connection's good, too. You know, it's just the... That's uh, a uh, phone. I, I got to go through your answering machine to get to you. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, okay, I didn't want to interrupt y'all. But, yeah. Um, maybe I start out with a quote from Humpty Dumpty. Because um, you got me on it, Roger. I, I, I looked them all up. It, it's hilarious. Uh, this one is short and sweet. If you don't know where you're going, any road will do. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> What's that one you say, Roger? Uh, words? Um, it's a, it's a sequence from in there, you know, it's a sequence from, from Alice in Wonderland, which interesting. I saw in the antiques roadshow, a first edition that was printed in France that somebody had, you know, and they were talking about it. Mm -hmm. It was, it was entitled Alice in Wonderland. It was not the old Mm -hmm. original title, which of course is through the looking glass, which is a little more introspective but it goes like this it's a little dialogue from in there and i should go back and attribute where i saw it because it wasn't from reading alice in wonderland um when i was in paralegal school there in atlanta i spent six months in paralegal school at night and uh we had different modules you know real estate law and contract law and all these different lawyers would come in and teach us and we had one of the segments was legal research and the textbook that we were required to have in that segment was from an outfit still around today does excellent excellent how-to uh legal stuff books is called no low press n-o-l-o no low press surprisingly enough it's out of the yes it's out of the university of california at berkeley of all places but so it was a really really good legal research and legal research is very interesting it's extremely systematic okay and so in that it was on the very front page when you opened up the cover and it was one of those eight and a half by 11 books kind of and when you open up the cover that was on the front page All right, that's where I found it. And it says, when I use a word, I'll I'll drop my accents. When I use a word, Humpty Dumpty said in a rather scornful tone, it means exactly what I say it means, no more, no less. But, said Alice, the question is, how can you make a word mean so many different things. The question is, said Humpty Dumpty, who is to be master? That's all. Wow. Says it pretty plain, doesn't it? Roger. Yeah. Yes, yeah. sir. 
Yes, sir. Yeah, same. Yeah, uh, Roger. Uh, like I said, I was going to contact Ron Gibson, but my life had been getting turned up uh, down pretty bad. And uh, so I finally contacted him yesterday. Um, and I, uh, as you well know, I, I think I did a, a land patent back in 2010, but I used team law system. And when I was talking to Ron, I told him what I did. And, uh, I said, well, I, I, from getting a little more experience on this and that now, I believe that your system is actually, uh, superior to his. And he says, oh yes, it is. And Ron's a humble guy. He's, he's not going to brag about anything unless He's on point with it. Um, but I told him, I said, they refused it at the county. And I was looking at one of his videos, and he was talking about doing a land patent for a woman in Placerville, California. Of course, that's the county seat to where all the records and stuff are for El Dorado County. And uh, she was refused by the same people who probably refused me. This is a little more current, and she used Ron's system. Well, I asked Ron, because there wasn't an outcome when, on the video, I asked him if he got her, her stuff filed, and he says, yes, we did. I said, well, how did you do it? He says, she used my book. She opened to the, the, the page uh, in front of the clerk, the head of the clerk, and showed him the, the federal Title 18 criminal code, where it, what the penalty is for not filing a land patent, and he filed it. Hmm. Well, you see, that goes to my point that they recognize the, those old systems, you know. They can't just do away with them. That's open tyranny. Their game's not open tyranny. Their game's hidden tyranny based on fraud. And, and, the, and the reason Ron shared that with me is I says, when I refile yours, he says, I have since been given a California statute, which I read to him, and he says, well, that reads very much like the federal statute that does the same thing. It says you you will open the books and file this, but, you know, case closed. Well, And I got that from Ron, Ron McDonald. Okay, oh, Ron McDonald. Who I know okay. of. Yeah, Ron McDonald's a nice guy. He's a guy. fork. Yeah, he's a nice guy. He's yeah. he, His book's backwards, but he's a nice guy. A lot of people have been confused yeah. by the dialectic. See, that's why that whole principle of understanding the underpinnings of all of this, just like that Humpty Dumpty quote, is dialectic. And when you understand that, you can start figuring things out that Ron and his co-writer were not able to do. They had the opposite. They say they own you because you're using their money, right? Right. That was, and it's exactly the opposite. You're using their money because you're the collateral for it, and they own you. Right. So, you know, just a But point. I know Ron has a land patent. Um, well, good for him. And uh, uh, let us, uh, it, for your people out there, our people, I uh, have his phone number and his address, and the book is $45.00. It's worth its weight in gold. I suggest that everybody get it and uh, have it at least in reference if they want to make this move towards a land patent because I think he's the way to go. What's his um, uh, website again? The Western Mining Company or something? It's got an unusual name. I don't know what his website is. I have his phone number and his address. Um, 
Well, if but, anybody, uh, let's just put it out there it, it, uh, that if anybody's interested in pursuing that, we now have the contact information, and hopefully we've got a, a, a disciple who's gone through it and been successful, And because uh, there are a few people that want to do that, you know. Daryl, have you, have you investigated doing that with your property up there in Alabama? Did Daryl must? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Uh, yeah. Have you yeah, looked, I, I've, uh, you looked at I, I have a, <laughs> I have a strong interest, uh, uh, to that end, I've never really seen anybody that could provide, uh, traction, uh, uh, a pathway. It, it, it was like, it was like your information, uh, Roger, I, I, long before I ran across you, I read and studied a lot of stuff that was gibberish. Uh, you know, if, if Samuel... If Samuel has the real deal, I'd I'd be more than happy to get this guy's contact yeah. information, his uh, his number, and his book. And yeah, I I'll just go on the record as saying, Samuel, I want it. Okay. Well, Samuel, <laughs> um, you want you want? I don't know if Mr. Gibson wants that number given out publicly. It's not real public, but we're kind of a closed group I here. Oh, I, 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 this this man is dedicated to helping us. Yeah, he's a, he's it, an older no it's an older in the tooth guy. And I remember when he came up, and I'd never heard of him. I had a dear friend named Ron Gibson back years ago, so it kind of you know I, I listened up when you said it. But it's not the same guy. This guy's had a whole lifetime, like I have, of putting in the trenches here, and he's evidently very credible and extremely uh, yes. uh, uh, successful in what he does. So yeah, you want to give out those? He's, he's a he's the president of the biggest um, mining. Um, I don't know what you call a territory in the country. So it deals with a lot of patents and stuff. I mean, this is this is this is in his blood. You when you do this with him, you find a public place to publish this thing for sixty days. Very different than team laws, etc. Um, and, and what are you doing there? Wage law by law, you know. Samuel, what are you I'm technically sorry. doing there? Well, the, the you know, technically, land it cannot be bought or sold um, or traded. It's limitless. So when you guys were talking the other day with Brent and talking about something that can't be destroyed, well, this is one of those things that comes out of Genesis. So you're bringing this, this grant forward to yourself. So you have to get everybody in between you and it because the grant itself says forever okay. and it's theirs. Now, when he's telling so you're bringing you bringing that whole thing forward, I understand that when you're, when he's telling you and his approach that the first thing to do is put it in the public notice. I'm assuming he's talking about the legal organ for 60 days, right? What are you doing? No, because that would be that would probably be so expensive. It, it's a lot very, of people be, would be very. It would be. I I checked out. I checked out what it would cost locally, and I I'm, I couldn't afford it. Right. Um, Thousands you, of dollars. You, he says a, a public lair, uh, the public library bulletin board, the um, sheriff's office bulletin board, place like that, and then you have to go back and witness it every week with a person to make sure it's up or every or that you may have to replace it. Okay. Anyways, so, so um, back to my question. question. I'm going to have for that lady. 
that went through it here in our, in our county, uh-huh. see where she posted it and uh-huh. and how that went for her. Right. I'm hoping Iran will give me her contact information once I've purchased a book from them. Okay, cool. Now let me ask you again. What are you doing when you do that? Due process. Correct. You're fulfilling the front requirement of due process, notice, and the right to be heard. That's why you go back and check it. You want to see if anybody's got an objection every week. And that's what makes it legally binding. And it falls into the base concept of every jurisdictional law in the world, and that's due process. Okay. Yeah, uh, here's his phone number. He's uh, he's from he's in Medford, Oregon, um, and his phone number is five four one six two one five five four eight. And repeat that Ron again. Repeat Gibson. repeat that again for the people that didn't get it copied down slowly, like you did. That's very good. Five four one six two one five five four eight, and that's Ron Gibson, and his address is one eight one one. Sorry, eight one five North Central Avenue, Suite D. Medford, Oregon, 97501. Okay. If you miss that, you can go back and catch it on the replay when I get it posted. Um, I, when I was, go ahead. When I was speaking him to him, Roger, I told him that when I filed the, 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 the last one in 2010, I was still a citizen and a slave. And I says, uh, I had since changed my status, and I'm now a, 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 like a state national. And I told him what you said about uh, slaves not being able to, to own property. And he was he laughed. He says, "Absolutely correct." <laughs> well, it's even he was on his it, way to. It's even harder hit when you say property can't own property because that even defines the statement better. Right. And the reason slaves can't is because they're property. See? So that's good. I'm glad he appreciated that. I don't know where. You know, that came to me one day, and all like I was talking about pondering all this stuff earlier, and Daryl does it too. I can tell he does it. He's eat up with it too. But one, one day that just came to me. Property can't own property. I said, damn, that's the reason all that's there. That's the reason you get a certificate of title. That's the reason you can't own your house. That's the reason you got to be a resident to drive the state's car that's got their tag on it. You know, it, when you get that one concept, man, the dominoes all fall. Yeah, the, the yeah. warranty deed yeah. is just another color of title. It, it, it's just phony baloney plastic banana world. They've done an unbelievable job, man. I mean, really, when you when you get to the level of our understanding and look into this thing objectively, you better give them credit. Credit where credit's due, and they're due it, okay? Because this thing's masterful, masterful. Yeah, yeah. I wish I would have Robert, what were you saying? 
go over that um, due process. Uh, well, due process. Again, relative okay, to the well, land, a, uh, well, a due process. Go back. Let's go back to that. Is a very simple concept. I, I'd heard the concept, but I didn't know what it was before John's teachings, and he made everything so simple and understandable for us. And it's very simple: notice and the right to be heard. If something's going to happen, you got to. Te- if you're doing something, if you give somebody notice, then if they've got an objection, then we deal with the objection and find out where we are. If they don't, it goes back to uh, King Henry VIII: silence deems consent. So what you're doing when, and that's why some of the people see when we originally did this and we didn't know about the Secretary of State connection. God bless John and Glenn. They had pretty much the whole tax side. And they got all of it eventually. But back then, we didn't know about that. But he understood this due process thing, and that's why the first thing we were all instructed to do was to file that affidavit in our local property records office because of this feudal connection and the fact that your property. What he didn't know was you had to go to the Lord of the Manor first. And that's the Secretary of State in this instance. But that due process is underpins every jurisdiction law in the world. I guess even uh, martial law. The due process is if I, my bayonet's sharper and longer, I can stick your butt and kill you first. All right? But you got notice we're sitting there in front of each other. But it's a, a key concept to understand, and it's a very simple concept to understand. Like all these things that are new to people, it's up to you to take these concepts and and fit them into your thinking and your mind that's the work you got to do but the concept for due process is very simple notice and the right to be heard you know when they they use due process pardon me yeah they use why is it so expensive to file that because the because you're in a commercial venue called the legal organ every county city Mm etc has what's called a legal organ and it's where the important notices to fulfill the front end of due process and make it all legitimate are placed okay in the federal government's example what's the legal organ of the federal government robert do you know Mm, would that be secretary no no that's he's not an organ he's an office the legal organ of the United States mm. federal government is called the Federal Register. And you can go online, put ah. in the Federal Register, and every day all of these regulations pop up in there from these 323-plus agencies that are out there. Okay, And some of them, gotcha. and they're different types of regulations. There's three different types of regulations, and they're all posted in there. Why do they go to that problem and expense? Because that fulfills the front end to due process. And the agencies have to adhere to that concept even more so than we do. Okay? They're really strictly defined by it. All right? So they put these regulations. They can either be, there's three types of regulations. This all comes out of the Administrative Procedures Act, which was passed not until 1946 after the Second World War. They tried to pass it all through the 30s, and that's when all of the Supreme Court and all the the, uh, establishment, if you will, was given Franklin Roosevelt as he tried to change the government and make it adhere to the new system parameters. They were giving him all kinds of problems. 
He, he couldn't get – they took some of the things he was doing to the Supreme Court. He couldn't get it through the Supreme Court. They ruled against him. So he went in and added three more members to the Supreme Court. He added them. He had the majority now, and he got that stuff through. Okay? In 1946, finally, just shortly before they murdered Forrestal that we were talking about earlier, they got this finally passed through Congress. It is contained at Title V, if you go to the United States Code, Title V, Sections 552 et seg, E-T-S-E-Q. That's a very Latin way of say, saying and following. So Section 552 and following are the rules and regulations that these new administrative agencies, which rule and control your lives, have to adhere to. Okay, so when they're going to make changes, they put and do that control through regulations that we talk to. If, if you're not a resident, they don't apply to you. Okay, but most people voluntarily say they're residents, and so they ought to know what they are, shouldn't they? I mean, hell, you ought to know what you yeah, are. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Okay, so most of the people out here and volunteer to doing that and making the system quasi-legitimate, if you will. And so when they're going to put out regulations, they issue them in three forms. Now, this is the stuff I learned fighting the federal government. Unfortunately, I learned it too late. Okay? But there's three types of regulations. One is called a statement of policy. And that's just a simple statement of policy from the agency. But they have to put it in the Federal Register. And it does not have general applicability. It doesn't apply to Robert. If he's a resident, okay? It's just a statement of policy. Then they've got these regulations they call interpretive regulations. They're the middle variety. And they are interpreting different policies or things inside the agency. But they still have to put it in the Federal Register. The third type of regulations are called subjective regulations. And the difference in them are there's a few of them. One is they apply to Robert out there in California if he's a resident. So they've got what's called general applicability. Okay? And because of that general applicability and power, they have to go through a special process in the Federal Register. And it is called notice and comment. Notice and comment is a short way of saying due process. So it's due process within due process. So when they publish one of these subjective wow. regulations, and you go into the Federal Register, and you can see this, okay, on a regular daily basis if you want to open it up online over your coffee. Very interesting reading, all right? And so if they're going to put one of these subjective regulations in there, at the top of it, it says in big, bold, black letters, Notice of Proposed Rulemaking. Proposed. And then they'll go down, they'll tell you what the changes are and what the regulation is, and at the bottom, you'll have contact information, a person's name, an address you can send a comment, whatever, and how many days you got to do it, 60 or 90 days. And so that's the back part of due process the right to be heard if the regulation is going to have general applicability everybody they've got to give everybody the way to give them some feedback positive or negative on this proposed rule right 
And so after that period of time, they'll say, we're taking comments for 60 or 90 days. And then they go back supposedly and regroup and read the comments and take them into consideration. And then they regurgitate the regulation and they got to publish it again in the federal register. And that time the heading in big bold letters blacked says notice of final rulemaking not proposed final and then at the bottom that'll tell you the date it takes effect and whatever the effect date is they've got i think 30 days after there's a grace period of 30 days or something but the process for this one particular type of regulation called a substantive regulation is totally different from the other two and it's due process within due process now in your local area they don't go to all that trouble and it depends on where you live but there's got to be a legal organ there for notices of death, notices of estate, notices of marriage, notices of divorces, and all those things because they need due process too. So it's either in one of two places generally, Robert. It's either in the local newspaper, and you got to go pay the newspaper, and I think they got special fees for the legal section, or it's its own newspaper that the lawyers have put together. And if you want to find out what that is in your area, go to call or go, you know, drop by and you can call probably the clerk of the court or some of those places and ask them what, and you need to use that specific language, what the legal organ in your area is. And that's where, and they charge a pretty good bit of money. So what Samuel's saying is, six. How much were they going to charge you to run it sixty days, Samuel? It was thousands and thousands of dollars. Yep. Yeah. Woo. Oh right. yeah. Yeah yeah. So the other way to do it so is what's the, the alternative? Well, what he's doing is putting it in common places, and evidently, uh, Ron Gibson's figured out a procedure to sidestep the high costs and for people to get it done and get it recognized where it fits the base requirements. Yeah. A public bulletin board. He said like the sheriff's department or the public library, et cetera. I was going to call the library today and ask him about it, but ultimately I like to talk to the lady who actually did it and see what her experience is. Yeah. And now that she's got it filed, did she get herself off the tax rolls? Well, that's the, with you, you know? for you not to take advantage of that resource, which has gone before you right in your backyard, it'd be kind of foolish short-sighted yes, so I i'd really i'd really advise you try and contact the lady and hopefully she's got her faculties and can give you some insight yeah yeah really but if some people uh you well, know this looks like a viable from my initial feeling i've not talked to ron gibson but he's been around a long time he seems to carry a great deal of credibility know what he's talking about and for those of you who are interested in pursuing this as an object for your land uh, then it seems to be very viable. I thank Samuel for doing the legwork on it and bringing it to us. I unfortunately got cut off uh, uh, with talking to him. I would have loved to talk to him as long as he would let me, but he was scheduled to do a podcast or a radio show for me. It's called Northwest Liberty News, I think. Um, and I looked on that site to see if they had a live broadcast, and they don't. So I'm assuming... Because they have podcasts there, they're going to have what he did yesterday. And he said yesterday the subject was going to be status of jurisdiction. 
you know, why don't, as you uh, speak with him and interact with him more, would you ask him if he would be interested in coming on our show? I think he'd be a really interesting guest. I didn't get to sure it, would. but it was definitely on my list to okay. tell him. Yeah, well, yeah. You could, I'll, I'll send him a note when I, I uh, purchased the book and and see if I can get all these things answered. Okay. Well, tell him I'd love to have him on the show, and it'd be my pleasure to meet him and talk with him, and I know the audience would really like to hear what he's got to say. So if he doesn't mind getting up too early out there on the east, west coast, left coast, uh, we'd love to have him. I'd like to put that together. We need to get a few more people on here. I need to get off my butt and call John Ainsworth one day and get him on here for a while. Uh, John's a very interesting guy. What he does fits dovetails very nicely in with what we do. And one of these days I'll get that done. And the music publisher. Pardon me? The music publisher. <laughs> no, no. Oh, you mean uh, Butch? I don't, I, it's impossible to get Butch uh, pinned yeah. down on anything. No, Mike, um, um, uh, and John Ainsworth is a very interesting guy. I've talked with him. It's been years. We spoke just briefly about a year or so ago. And he said, I got company at the door. I'll call you right back. And he never called back. So I guess I'm going to have to reach out again. Uh, but John has for, gosh, easily over 10 years, probably closer to 15 now, been setting up. He, he, he comes back to what we've talked about. They can't do away with these old systems. You see, uh, we want to impute way too much power to these guys. That they, oh, they can do this, they can do that. Well, they can do a lot. I agree with you, and they've done a lot. But they are not powerful enough to control what they've created, A, totally, and B, they're not strong enough to do away with these things. These systems still exist. They've just been hidden and veneered, okay? So what John Ainsworth did was stumble yep. on that, and he resurrected an organization, not resurrected, formed, and has been going for some years, North Carolina State. Okay, so see, there's the governor of North Carolina, the state of North Carolina is different from the governor of North Carolina state. And those offices are still there. They're just vacant. So they started an organization, uh, appointed themselves, elected a governor. I think John Ainsworth was secretary of state. And they've been doing that for a lot of years. Other people have tried that concept. I think it was tried in Michigan and Colorado, to my knowledge, offhand. Probably other people been trying it too, but Ainsworth accomplished it, and evidently it works. Okay, wow. But my problem with his approach is what I asked him. I said, John, how long you been doing this? When we talked years ago, and he said eight years. And I said, how many people do you have involved? He said fifty. I said, you don't have the time. Yeah, you don't have time. You don't have time at that rate to get something accomplished that's going to have any real effect. Oh, okay. Now, see, we approached it. We approached it. And because of that, the way when I was thinking this through, I approached it in a little different way. And that was understanding what we understand and knowing that, as Dr. Livingston from the Abbeville Institute said, Evidently, and that was his word, evidently, after the Civil War, states can no longer secede. But counties, evidently, can. And that was a very provocative mm. statement to me. And I had the guy that had the connection get back with him and ask him specifically about that. 
But he said the reason he said that is because after the Civil War, they took one county, a real big county in Virginia, and they made the state of West Virginia. So now knowing what we know, that's when uh, Butch and Sundance were active and Daryl and Russ Rosser were both calling in. And we had somebody else from up there calling in. And it hit me one day, well, if we get a county, because evidently counties can secede, according to that precedent, and get 12 or more people in that county that have filed an affidavit and have got the sheriff tuned in, you got your own little state. And we've never been able to accomplish it. We can't get 12 people that have gone through this in the same county, but it's a very interesting and provocative idea. Yeah, on, on this yeah. Time, there's, there's a guy by the name of Paul Preston who's trying to create the 51st state, which is New California. Yeah. And however, Paul is always talking about citizen, and he's going back to how, how West Virginia was created but he's sort of forgetting the fact that they weren't citizens like they are today. Correct. And well, they, back then, now, when it was first created, they probably were because it was very yeah. evident to everybody there was a separation in the classes, in the political statuses. But they've merged that and blended it. Now you, nobody knows about it virtually. I've been trying to put some time aside to call Paul and, 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 and just make him aware of that, that this is not the same state, you know, succeeding from the state as it was back then because of the citizenship deal. I'll tell you where you point him, if you want some instant credibility, to the deceased Richard McDonald's works. Richard McDonald was in California, and his whole deal was state citizenship. Now, state citizenship is the same thing we're talking about. We just call it something different, yeah. and we're approaching it differently. But he's got a very established yeah. reputation and body of work out there on this real specific subject, Samuel. And if this guy isn't familiar with Richard, he's deceased now. Uh, if not familiar with Richard or his work, he'll find a lot of answers he's looking for there. And it's local, and he can't deny yeah. it. Okay. You, you can still get Richard's work. Uh, you can still get CDs of Richard's work, and uh, you can actually watch him on CD. I, I just want to interject something here. I would propose that the creation of a a uh, a new physical county or state is uh, not necessary. Uh, actually, I think it's quite irrelevant. Uh, I would I would propose that all we have to do is reclaim our original status, standing, and capacity and reclaim our original jurisdiction. Correct. And uh, that's that's all that's all that's necessary. Yeah. All this all this hype about New California and all these other states. Uh, yeah. Uh, ask Lavoie Finnicum how this all works out. Yeah, so, I, I um, Daryl, I was using that as a metaphor, really, because what you, in essence, have, if you've got control of your county and you can do uh, impanel a 12-person man of your peers jury and you've got the sheriff on your side, you've, in essence, got your own state. Yeah. Well, you have access. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you are who you always thought you were. Correct. And you were in a place where you <laughs> always thought you were, 
and you're outside of the contradiction, and you can understand the dialectic. It, it, what the perfect symbol? I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you something here. The perfect symbology for the dialectic. It's perfect. Burn it into your head. It's the Star of David. Okay, that's, that's very your, true. That's your very true. That, that is your dialectic. Every time you hear the word dialectic. Think, think of, of that. Yep, you're right. Oh, by the way, did I? Well, I think well, I mentioned what Rod the, Gibson is saying is 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 that anything that's incorporated cannot hold a really truly constitutional office. There's no, there's nothing there if it's a corporation. So true. all our counties, all our cities, everything's incorporated. Yep. It, there's no true officers in those seats. No, they're just directors, and the corporation owns and controls the property. And there's our whistler. Uh, listen, the back end of today's show was dynamite. Uh, I want to thank everybody. We covered some really yeah. important ground today. And uh, uh, I, it, it, it's, you know, wonderful that we have this forum to do so. So I appreciate all the participants, Samuel. the ideas. Hold on. Hold on, Go Samuel. Go ahead. Daryl, finish out for me. Bidwell, uh, this final in Downs versus Bidwell, Judge Harlan says, I am constrained to say that this idea of incorporation has some occult meaning which my mind does not apprehend. It is enveloped <laughs> in some mystery which I am unable to unravel. That's right. <laughs> Good old the great dissenter. Well, he obviously yep. knew what was going on, had a high suspicion, just couldn't put his finger on it because he didn't know what the agenda was. Okay, guys, listen, I think tomorrow is Paul Day. Hopefully we'll get Paul on and have some good uh, good new follow-up conversations, maybe even some new information. Who knows? I'm off to the Patriot Lunch, and uh, one of my buddies who's a big LSU fan said he's going to buy me lunch today. So there is a free lunch, and uh, there you go. So Bon appetit. Muchas gracias, amigo. We'll see you all tomorrow. Have a great day. Good show. Uh, see you then. Ciao, ciao. Thank you, Roger. Make sure Chris gets that info. I'll try. I'll try. Chris was on the phone, but he's headed to court. I figured he probably was off. Not a life for the faint at heart. I'll see you all tomorrow. Uh, That's hurt.